all know it's 2020 now. Yeah? And, and so there's this beautiful thing about a new year, right? And it's kind of like a, like a blank slate. Any of y'all ever kind of look at the new year like that? It's like a fresh start, a time to start over. And, and even if you, you know, if you hop on social media, like this isn't just a Christian thing. This is a whole worldwide thing. People are like, new year, new me. You know what I mean? And it's like, listen, I'm not mad at that. Like, that's okay. But at the same time, like, I think that there is a truth to the fact that a new year can be a blank slate if you let it be. But what I want to talk about this morning is refusing to create resolutions that are void of revelation. Do you hear me? I don't want us to be deciding that we are going to do this thing without the leading and the power of the Lord without the encouragement of the Lord. Because what's going to happen is, man, you can give me a blank slate, but if it's just a blank slate and I'm the holder of the pen, I'm just going to make a certified mess again. That's what's going to happen. I'm going to need another blank slate and another blank slate and another blank slate. And I'm renewed every day, but I'm going to tell you what, it's a pretty frustrating way to live when you're repeatedly just trying to do this thing on your own and it failing, and trying to do this thing on your own, and it failing. I refuse to let the culture of the world seep in to our minds as believers where we're like, I need to do this, 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 and then I'll have arrived. I want to do the thing that God is revealing. That's what I want to do, and that's where he'll be. That's where he'll be, and that's where comfort will be. That's where encouragement will be. And that's where things will actually get accomplished. Because I don't know how many of y'all have ever had a New Year's resolution, but I would, you know, guess that they didn't all work out. Because a new year is not necessarily a reason for us to say, okay, now change. The reason any change should happen is because we go, God, we want you. We want to know you better. And so we give you the pen. Amen? Amen. And this is scriptural. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. Uh, we've been, a lot of our hope talk has been in the book of Hebrews. Says this. If you all know, read those bold words with me. It says, therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance, and the sin which so easily entangles us. I love how honest this is, you know? If you fix your eyes on sin, you're going to get tangled up in it. Do you hear me? If you're caught up in condemning yourself and constantly reviewing your shortcomings, you will become entangled in it because you are wrapping your mind in condemnation and byproducts of sin itself. That's why we've been clearly told that we fix our eyes on Jesus. Y'all ready? The author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He is the author and the perfecter. And so what that means is we let God, this requires us letting him. Did you hear me? 
He's not like sitting like being like, okay, and so now I'm going to write this detail of Stephen's life. He's going to go and he's going to do something absolutely ridiculous and it is preordained, so be it. That's not what's happening. His authorship is an invitation. He's writing what he wants for us. He plants hope within us. We don't make things up on our own. We could, but those will be those short-term resolutions, right? We let him be our inspiration for change and transformation. And then here's the beautiful thing. We don't just embrace that and go, all right, so I'm going to try really hard to do that on my own. We don't do that. We let him be the perfecter. Perfectionists in the house need to hear that. Because I, listen, and I'm talking to me too, man. I've, I've been getting freed of my perfectionism. Have you noticed that, babe? She's like, yeah, I've noticed it. You could amp it up a little bit more. No, it's, it's actually really good, though. I used to be so unnecessarily meticulous and just like overly even self-controlling, you know? It's where sometimes I would shortchange God the opportunity to be the one perfecting. It's okay, God, thank you for that instruction. Now I will go do that on my own. It's like, you know what I mean? And it's just like, yuck, no. He is the author and the perfecter. Other translations say he is the author and he is the finisher. You know what that looks like? That looks like him finishing the journey along with you. It doesn't just mean he's there at the beginning and he's there at the end. It means he is writing the novel of our life as we let him. And that is beautiful. And that book is going to be a hilarious, adventurous, challenging read. But it's going to be like a, a whoa read. There's going to be things where you go like, awe-inspiring. Not because we're like, look at how awesome I am, but because we're confident that he's the one authoring, and he's the one perfecting and finishing. Amen? This isn't the only scripture that talks about this. In Philippians 1 verse 6, it says this, for I am confident of this very thing. We can be confident of this, you guys. I am confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. So what I like about this is even when we, again, when we lead people in prayers at the end of services, and there's a part of that where usually, not always, but oftentimes we call him both our Savior. Can y'all say Savior? And our Lord. Can you say Lord? Now, saving, what does that mean? That means that we needed a Savior. Like we needed someone to save us, right? And so he is our Savior. He saved me from myself and all of the turmoil of darkness that I was wrapped up in. I was on a fast track to the end of myself, man. And he saved me from that. He saved me from that. But we also need a Lord. And what does the Lord do? The Lord leads us. Amen? So it's this process both of an initial revelation and then a constant outworking. He is authoring and he is perfecting. And it is, it is his desire that his presence, we are never void of his presence. He is always there with us constantly. Amen? And that matters. I don't want to just be like, thanks for saving me, and then like jump back into the same nonsense. Right? That's, it's just a strange, it's, and it's, if you read the scriptural implications of that, it's just not a road you want to go down. 
But I'll tell you what, if we will embrace him as our Savior, and then day by day, I'm not saying we're going to be perfect. Like, hear me, we're not. But there is going to be a beautiful journey that God is along for the ride for. As a matter of fact, he's the one calling the shots. And we just get to yield to him over and over again. And the byproduct of that is beauty. It's peace. It might be kind of chaotic looking, but it's peace. Amen? Um, I don't know if you guys are anything like me, but oftentimes when it comes to uh, resolutions and things like that, I can bite off more than God wants me to chew. Anybody else or am I alone? You know, um, it's funny. If you give humanity the opportunity to go through and critique themselves, often the list is very long. Or maybe if you're puffed up, the list of critiquing someone else would be very long, and you'd be like, nah, I'm fine, you know what I mean? And listen, I'm not, I'm not mad at you saying you're fine, so long as, once again, you are actually trusting and being led by God. But you see, it's funny, because I think more often than not, the way God works with me personally, is he kind of, organic is a word that's overused these days. But he kind of like organically leads me, growing through things kind of one step at a time. Anybody else ever experienced that? I haven't had God ever hit me with a really long list of my shortcomings and being like, all right, dude, work it out and then come see me later. I haven't had that happen. I used to think that maybe God was like that. But upon receiving him as Lord, I've come to realize that it really is. It's a step-by-step journey with him. And his priorities often look different than mine. When it comes to areas of transformation, oftentimes we turn things that God has no interest in into our pet project that we become obsessed with, and it turns into an idol. That's right, I'm screaming, idolatry! Anybody ever been there before? Is this just me? Dana's there. Yeah, we do. Yeah, it's true. Dana and I are a lot alike, so we're going to get a lot of amens from the front today. You know? And, and Kara and Pastor Paul are a lot alike, too, so it's just like this really weird thing. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's a very funny and awesome dynamic, you know? We all can feel for each other in very different and funny ways, you know? So God deals with us progressively, and, and what I really wanted to submit to you today is that God working with us looks like him encouraging us along our journey. Can you say encouraging? See, what happens, again, is if, if even if you bite off something that is actually God, and you try to work it out in your own, what happens is, is you are going to become discouraged. You are going to grow weary. You are going to forget that God is with you and he actually wants to help you in a tangible way. And if we come to that place, we shut down and we give up. You see, God working with us progressively is not him beating us up and sending us off with some projects to go do and come back and report to him. He wants to walk with us, but he wants to lead us. We cooperate, but he's the leader. Amen? This, this matters. Oftentimes what we do as Christians is we just make a really long prayer list of all of the things that we come up with 
And, and listen, I'm not saying God doesn't want beautiful, great things for you, because he does. He wants to do abundantly beyond all that we could ask or think. But again, sometimes we get it twisted, and we just get fixated on things that God would rather have us just hold off on. Like, have y'all ever misunderstood something in Scripture? Any, anybody? Okay, let's be real, church. Come on. Good night. I, I remember I read through uh, a couple of years back. I went through my first Bible, and if y'all don't know, my Bibles are hilarious looking. Because um, I just, like, I need, like, they need to make a new American, who's they? They. They need to make a new American Standard Bible with big old grandpa font. You know what I mean? And they need some extra wide margins on that thing. And I don't want that skinny paper that borderline rips when I write on it either. You know what I mean? Maybe I, maybe I just have to like print this on cardstock. You know what I mean? It's going to be a full giant binder size Bible, you know. But I remember I was reading through an old Bible of mine and it was so funny because I saw things that I didn't understand. I would even, I would put a post-it note back then. I had a post-it note because I didn't want to mark up my Bible. These days it's just chaos. But you know, actually it's pretty systematic. I have a number and a letter system, believe it or not. But if you looked at it, it would just look like a bunch of scribbles, you know. But anyways, all of that, <laughs> I, I hilariously enough was reading back through and it was funny because what I have seen is that the things that I could have fixated on, things that I didn't understand, that I could have gotten wrapped up in, because I just kind of gave them a spot on the back burner and I pursued what God was revealing to me in the moment, those things can even come to clarity just as a byproduct of the thing he wants to show us. It's part of why he says, don't get wrapped up in all the other stuff. Seek me first. When we seek him first, then everything else just kind of falls into place. And if we stop getting obsessed with the peripherals and we start fixating on Jesus like we've been clearly instructed, that's when things fall into place. Amen? He's the author. He's the finisher. But that finisher, I like the word perfecter because that means he's along with us on the way, walking it out. It's beautiful how he does it. Amen? So something that uh, I see as necessary to talk about is courage and encouragement. Have you ever thought about how encouraging is to put courage in? You think about that? So when you read about courage in Scripture, you can think about the fact that people need to be encouraged, right? When it says take courage, courage. That means you must be taking the courage from somewhere or someone, right? It means we have to be open to being encouraged, right? So let's take a look at some scripture that talks about courage. Psalm 31, 23 through 24 says this, Oh, love the Lord, all you his godly ones. Who up in here is a godly one? Okay, we have four godly ones. The rest of y'all, we're going to pray at the end, okay? <laughs> Well, and get y'all saved, and we're also going to invite Jesus to be our Lord. And then, and then you see, you'll be a godly one. That's how that works. You see, it's not, it's not like, okay, anyways. The Lord preserves the faithful and fully recompenses the proud doer. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You're talking about doing. Are you talking about works now? No, I'm talking about walking out the thing that he's inviting us in. 
And when you walk out what he has for you, there is fruit. Like people get so afraid of talking about works that it's like we are like afraid of doing. No, do, but confidently do the thing God is showing you to do. Don't get obsessed with judging what other people aren't doing. Do you hear me? That's when doing gets weird. Okay, when you start going, oh, why aren't they doing? You shut your mouth. You do what you're supposed to do. All right? Hello? <laughs> you told me to shut my mouth. Yeah, I did. I love you, though. Verse 24, be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who hope in the Lord. So if you hope in the Lord, you need to let, can y'all say let? Let your heart take courage. You can grow hard-hearted. I'm telling you this from experience. Y'all know. And again, some people even get up in my grill for even talking about this. But I want to be candid with you guys. I have been on a journey with my feet. And y'all have been there with me in it, prayed for me in it, and I believe I am whole and healed in Jesus' name. Amen? And it's working its way out. Amen? Come on, y'all with me or y'all with me? You know? But the truth of it is, is there have been seasons, because it's been a long journey. It's been like eight, nine years. And some of the time in there, if I'm going to be honest with you, I've grown hard when it comes to healing. You know? People come up to me, they want to encourage me. I'm just like, in one ear, out the other. Honestly. <gasps> but aren't you a pastor? Yeah, I am. And I'm supposed to be true and honest with you. And there have been moments where, where people come up to me and they want to lay hands on me and they want to pray for me. And I'm just like, okay, here it goes again. I discredit the potential of what God might want to do. Which is disgusting. We, we, are, we are encouraged, we are invited to encourage one another. But I just want to let anybody know who's maybe even a little bit grossed out and annoyed by encouragement. I want to tell you, one, I get it. Two, it's unhealthy. It'll hurt you. <laughs> It'll waste your time and your energy. And you won't have that like pure, undiluted love for the Lord. He's so good. And I refuse to let myself prevent him from being so good. And I refuse to discredit the body of Christ, even in all of our messiness. Because the truth of it is, sometimes people's version of encouragement is actually manipulation and self-proving. Jesus, he looked at people with compassion, right? And then he prayed for them and healed them. You know what he wasn't doing? Trying to flex and prove how strong he was. As a matter of fact, anytime somebody invited him to do that, he said, nope, nothing to do with that. Pharisees, oh, you want me to prove myself to you? I don't need to prove myself to you. 
But when he looked at people with compassion, he saw them. He wasn't fixated on himself. He saw them. And he saw hurt. And he wanted to help. Amen? That's where he flowed from. In church, that's where we need to flow from. I would encourage you, if you're going to encourage someone, if you're going to go up to them and pray for them, I understand that there's that momentary thing where God kind of puts someone on your heart and you're like, oh my gosh, but I don't know if. And, and it's okay to like work through that mental battle. But I would encourage you that in the midst of that battle, make sure that you remind yourself that this is not about you. Remind yourself that this is God showing you a hurting person who needs his love. So that we're not just like, okay, I'm going to prove that I'm a, I'm a person who heals people. You know? And there is a difference. And people will know the difference. I'm not saying that people won't ever be hard-hearted towards that, because they will. But I just want to instruct us as a church family, make sure that you're not all caught up in yourself when you're encouraging others. Don't make everything about you. Because then, what are you, what are you doing? You know? What are you doing? We are distributors of his goodness to hurting people. Amen? John 16.33, talking about taking courage. Jesus said this, and I'm so glad that he said this. <laughs> because it just enables us to go like, oh, good, I'm not alone. I'm not just missing it. He says, these things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. Can y'all say peace? peace? In the world you have tribulation. Anybody ever had tribulation before? In this world we will have tribulation. Moving on, but take courage. I have overcome the world. It doesn't say just encouragement. It says, take courage. Said, let your heart be encouraged, right? We are to take and let the courage of God into our lives. So if, if we're supposed to take it, then where are we supposed to get it from? It's a relatively simple question, right? The first answer is obviously... Jesus, God, hey, you know, same difference, you know. But Jesus, right? Here's where I want to go a step further. I don't think any of us have an issue saying, Lord, you're in my, you are my encourager, right? But oftentimes, I think the body of Christ, and I think it has something to do with Western culture and kind of our individual, independent, me by my own bootstraps kind of mindset, you know, which really is kind of prideful, I think that we're invited into something deeper, which is true encouragement in the body of Christ. Sometimes we treat hope like it's a solo mission. And when I say solo, I'm talking like solo even just you and God, right? Like, so here's my hope, here's what God's revealing, and so just me and God, we're going to do it. What about the family of believers around you who want to rally with and for you? Hello? Look around, y'all. That's us. 
we, we are called to do life together. We are called to encourage one another in the things that we are moving towards. And what that requires is for us to be honest about those things, right? That requires us to be kind of intentional about developing relationships that go beyond Sunday mornings. Amen? And that's beautiful and important. And it's something that I think we can grow in. So that our encouragement goes beyond just a singular sentence in the lobby. It becomes not just, okay, I remember that one thing that person said to me, and it becomes, oh, no, there's a person, a person in my family who has my back. And they're led by Holy Spirit in that, right? Because we're not talking about putting our faith in just plain old people. We're talking about putting our faith in God through the body of Christ. How many of y'all know hands do stuff, yeah? We are the body of Christ. Think about that. We are the body of Christ. So we move and we work and we help and we do towards one another and towards the world. Amen? So you're not on a solo mission. And, and that, makes, that makes hope being deferred. When hope is deferred, you have a posse that has your back and you don't get caught up in self-condemnation and doubt and grow weary and give up because you have homies. I like that word homies like the people in our home right like our family we know that there are a group of people rallying with us towards the hopes that god has planted in our hearts amen and, and i'm telling you i'm telling you very directly hear me clearly this is not just the pastorate i've said this before i need to say it again we will not be able to do this for every person in this church as often and regularly as it should be done. Okay? We need to develop deep and meaningful relationships with one another. This could just as easily be in that We Are Family series because we are called to encourage one another. It doesn't just say, well, the pastors will encourage. Listen, yeah, we will encourage. And, and if there are, believe me, I am more than willing to meet up with people in situations that they're in. And I think we're gifted to do that. But I also believe that a lot of y'all are gifted in ways that maybe you're even unaware of because we've been lost in a world where we've defaulted to the five-fold ministry and forgot that every one of us is a gifted and equipped believer of Christ. Amen? Like, y'all are anointed. Holy Spirit wants to work through you. And it's a beautiful thing that he does. So something that I thought was really cool was the fact that courage, if you look in scripture, courage and God's presence are almost, almost always next to each other in scripture. What does that mean? That means that as we grow in our awareness of his presence, both in us and in the people around us, right? That's going to enable us to actually rise up and walk out with God the things that he's called us into. So I just wanted to show you some of these scriptures because there's a lot of them. I'm not even reading you all of them. This is just some of them. John 15 verses 4 through 5. This is Jesus saying this. He says, abide in me and I in you. 
as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I love how clear that is. That is just like a hundred. He wasn't like, you can do some things. He was like, no, guys, you can do nothing. Now, I can make a Pop-Tart without the presence of the Lord, right? But, wait a minute, how am I breathing? <gasps> like, people still don't know how your heart just keeps beating, y'all. Everybody thinks they got everything figured out. They don't have that figured out. Like, what is that? Well, it's just this mysterious thing. Yeah, tell me about it. Maybe I'll tell you about it. His name's Jesus, you know? But I tell you what, man, apart from him, this, this is what I'm saying again, and it kind of ties into that like author and finisher thing, right? It's talking about let's not bite off stuff that we want to do in our own strength because it's a waste of time. He clearly told us that. Apart from me, you can do nothing. But here's the good news. With him, and it says abiding. Can y'all say abide? abide? That means we live in him. We stay there. He lives in us. We live in him. We don't ever depart that home. It's like, it's like, a, it's like one of those houses on wheels. What are they called? RVs? You know? It's the most glorious RV you've ever seen in your whole life. You know? But we are in him and we are moving regularly in this life. And we will bear much fruit. How many of y'all want to bear some fruit? Yeah, Kara wants y'all to bear some fruit and put it in a basket and deliver it to her because <laughs> honey crisp apples, I'm just saying, you know. <laughs> Let's take a look at uh, Deuteronomy 31, verse 6. This is Moses speaking. This is as Moses is about to transition out of leadership. He's speaking to uh, the children of Israel. It says this, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or tremble at them, for the Lord your God is the one who goes with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. It's so good. I love that right after that, it's funny, so Moses said this to the people, right? And I love that after that, God comes and he speaks directly to Joshua. And Joshua was the one stepping into Moses' spot as leader, right? And what I love is God speaks the same thing to Joshua and able to lead the people in the thing that Moses had just spoken over and to the people. Watch this. This is in, let's see, it's in Joshua 1, verse 9. So this is God talking to Joshua now. So Moses spoke on behalf of God to the people. Now God is speaking to Joshua after Moses has passed. It says this, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That's good news, isn't it, church? Yeah. He's with us wherever we go. His presence will stir up courage. We will be encouraged as we let the encourager into our lives always. Hebrews 13, 5 through 6 says this. Make sure that your character is free from the love of money. How many of y'all are in love with money? 
Good answer. We're in love with who? Jesus. Who gets to tell us what to do with our money? Jesus. Good answers. For he himself, or so it says, being content with what you have, for he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you, so that we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid, what will man do to me? Isn't that a good attitude to have? It's like, okay, come on, you know? I don't love saying, like, come at me, you know what I mean? Because I'm not really trying to invite things, but I'll tell you what, I am breaking through barricades of the enemy as we courageously and with the strength of God accept the invitation to receive encouragement from him. Did you hear me? He doesn't ever leave us. He doesn't ever forsake us. And there is such confident courage in that. John 16, verse 7, says this. This is Jesus talking. He says, But I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now, who's that talking about? That's talking about the Holy Spirit. Man, I love this church. Some people don't even know who the Holy Spirit is. You know? So great. And if you don't know who the Holy Spirit is, guess what? You're going to find out who he is. He is described as the helper. This is God with us. Jesus said it was better that he went away. Isn't that a trip? Like we have it better than if Jesus was just here leading us in some kind of group like the 12 disciples. It's better now because we have the presence of Holy Spirit with us, the helper. And it says that if he didn't leave, he wouldn't come to us. But since Jesus went, he sent him to us. And we receive him. Amen, church? That's why we sing, you're welcome in this place, right? Because we want him welcome in this place, right? It's powerful. I like the passion translation of this. It says this. But here's the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, the divine encourager will not be released to you. But after I depart, I will send him to you. Divine encourager is a pretty clean translation. Because when it talks about who Holy Spirit is, it's this multifaceted word called paraclete. Right? And what that is, is that word means all sorts of things. But one of the main things it means is encourager. How many of the Holy Spirit doesn't beat you up? Aren't you glad? And sometimes I just have to hit the pause button and be like, aren't you glad for that? Like I was eating some sushi yesterday. I was just like, man, I'm so glad food tastes good. Didn't have to taste good. I'm so glad sex feels good. Oh, <gasps> yeah. Didn't have to feel good. You know what I mean? Hello, church. What is this, high school? Everybody nervous? No. <laughs> like, I'm so grateful that, this, that God has designed us to live in, in pure pleasure with him. You know? I mean, of course, there's perversions of that. But that does not take away from the fact that he is awesome and good. And I love that he encourages us into something into this invitation rather than beating us up for not accepting it in the first place. He's always the encourager. And therefore, we are always to encourage one another. 
Something I just want to clearly say, we're getting close on time, but I want to clearly say this. I want you to abandon inferiority and let God encourage you in who you really are. I mean, give up inferiority complexes. God thought you were enough to die on a cross for. Right? That's pretty major. So when the world has got, oh, I'm so worthless. Well, was the cross meaningless? He did that for the joy that was set before him, which was relationship with you. And so you must be worth something. Right? And I would say something pretty major. You know? You are intended to be a child of God, living with him every day, inspired by him, encouraged by him. Head up. Chin up, eyes up. Walking it out. What can man do to me? Oh, you go, oh that's cute. You think, you think you're going to get in God's way? Okay. Well, let's just see. What can man do to me? And then what I love is, again, like, people were crucified after Jesus. Did you know that? Like, believers were crucified. So men could do something, but what were they doing? Every one of those stories was a those stories were martyrdoms. They did nothing but fully and more loudly express the gospel. Isn't that beautiful? So again, even the twisted things of the world that try to accomplish something, they just pale in comparison to God working all things together for good. Twisting on his head, making it more beautiful than it ever could have been. I find that so rad. God is just so creative. And so here's, here's the last part. I want us to be encouraging one another. I know we've talked about this. I want to show you it in Scripture, though. Hebrews 10, 23 through 25. says this, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Anybody ever waver in regards to your confession of hope? Yeah? It's like you're like, yes, Lord. Maybe, Lord. I don't know. You know what I mean? We've been there before. This tells us how we can hold fast. It says, for he who is promised is faithful. First of all, remember the faithfulness of God. Remember that he is faithful. He is good. He is love. He is awesome. goes on and says, let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near you know what's cool this word for encouraging guess what it's like a a derivative word of paraclete okay this is a word that implies that we are to encourage one another in the same way that holy spirit encourages us isn't that cool it's not just like good job i mean good job But, like, it's not just regular old stuff that we're coming up with. It's us yielding to the Lord and encouraging one another in the way we were designed to, which is obviously full of his power and his presence and his love. Amen? So he's the divine encourager, and we get to let his divinity thrive through us as we distribute what he has to give. Amen? So I'm not saying I'm necessarily divine. But what I am is I'm a person who knows the divine one. And therefore, if you're hanging out with me, the hope is that you're getting encouraged. That's the hope. And we can keep each other accountable to that too, you know what I mean? We can encourage one another to not be such a bummer. (laughs) You know what I mean? 
Because we can all fall into that. There's a reason why we've been told to do all things without grumbling or complaining, y'all. I was spoken to believers. Did you know that? Because we can be a bunch of whiny McWhinertons, you know? It's not the way of life, and it's not the way of love. So, I'm going to skip through a bunch of stuff. Um, Something I think that is important is to honor the gifts that God has placed in those who are close to you. Um, Sometimes encouragement from those who are closest to us is sometimes the easiest stuff to dismiss. Anybody ever noticed that before? It's like when you grow really close with somebody and you start to know them and maybe you even start to know like, you know, the stuff that they, their weird quirks and stuff like that, you can start to dismiss the gift that's in them. Let's not do that. You shouldn't have to go to a conference to be built up. Did you forget there's family right around you? Who can, now, I'm not anti-conference. Listen, I love that. There's powerful words spoken. But guess what? There's powerful words spoken. Right? Like, let's not forget we have world-class believers up in this place. Amen? Like, y'all are the best people in the world to encourage this family. Because you are this family. And so it's like, let's not dismiss or discredit encouragement from others. And here's, here's another thing. Let's make sure that we don't forget to encourage those closest to us. Amen? Don't assume. Don't, don't assume things. It's a very dangerous place to live in assumption vocalize the encouragement something Kara has been a rock star at recently you know because like we would go out places and Kara after we would have an engagement with somebody she'd be like man wasn't that awesome about that person be like man you should tell that person that you know what I mean and she's just been like crushing it now she'll tell people the other day we were at some was just like a very momentary thing and you might be like that's just a silly compliment I don't care what you say about it. It was beautiful. There's somebody, she had like, is this person checking us out? And she had like these awesome freckles. And Kara just looked her in the face and said, your freckles are beautiful. I was just like, wow. In a world that comes in and complains and whines about everything, even just a simple, positive and encouraging word like that can shine, can it? But also, let's take it even deeper too, to where we know each other. It's not just random compliments. It's also like that hope that God set before you. Let's keep each other accountable. Let's run towards the thing he has for us with endurance, remembering who God is and how he wants to work in our midst. Amen? So, a couple questions that we have for the week. First of all, is there anything that you have resolved to do that God has not led you in? I think that's something worth considering. Is there anything you've fixed your eyes on that you're like, I must accomplish this, that God's just like, you know what? That's, I didn't even ask you to do that thing. Number two, what is one thing that God is revealing to you that he wants to help you grow in? I want to say one thing. Can you all say one thing? I'm not asking you to put together a giant list of things. I'm asking you to seek the one thing that God wants to work out right now. And then three, who in the body of Christ... That's a fancy word for the people next to you, okay? Who in the body of Christ can you share this with and ask you to encourage 
and ask to you, encourage you. I don't even know how that sentence structure works. I wrote it, so I take full responsibility, but y'all get what I mean, right? Who can you ask to encourage you in that thing? That sound good? Worth discussing? Awesome. Hey, thanks for tuning in today. I hope this message was a blessing to you. Yeah, hey, we just wanted to give you the opportunity as well to partner up and plug in to the church uh, by giving. So if you would like to be a part of that and help make this all possible, you can do so by going to wearelovechurch.com slash give. You can also plug in, stay in the loop with what's going on at the church via our Instagram and Facebook platforms. So love y'all. God bless you.